0: i'd sort of you might be here because you thought it was about golf or maybe you're here because you just love hearing australians talk amongst themselves the or maybe you're here just because you're looking for a club with girls in it whatever brought you here we've got your back celebrating the australian football league st kilda football club whether you're near or far As long as you're not a Collingwood supporter, you're welcome to join us.
1: Two girls, one club.
0: club. Hello and welcome back to Two Girls, One Club. On Saturday, the Saints played Port Adelaide at Marvel Stadium for round 18. It was a home turf game, but unfortunately we could not make it four in a row and left the game with two injuries, one particularly devastating. So if you want to give the listeners our final score. Sure do. Uh, so we finished on 61 with eight goals, 13 behind. And Port Adelaide finished with 74 points uh, with 10 goals and 14 binds. I do want to flag that, um, you know, it seems like a gap of 13, but that gap of 13 only arose in sort of the last minute or two when we were neck and neck. Um, it was a really close, scrappy game. It, it's It's even more worse, I think, because we've been in such great form for three weeks. But also equally, I feel like we still played quite well. There were like... From the beginning, I did sort of have the feeling we were going to lose. Uh, Me too. Yeah. And and I think whether that was just the rub of the green or just a general air, but what what I thought was great to see is sort of after the game, through social media, through various outlets, the players, the, the club as a whole has seemed very positive. And it was just sort of like, they posted a video of the players walking onto the plane and they were like onwards to WA. And it's just like, yeah, like this happens. It wasn't a horrible loss. We played a fourth quarter. So in a way it was, it was kind of good to sort of see them with their heads held high, kind of like a top eight side would do. Yeah, exactly. It felt like more of a natural fluctuation because you can't win all games than it did a devastating, Blow, of course, it felt devastating in the moment, but not in the context of things. I mean, yes, it could this make or break us getting into finals? Absolutely, it could. That's the way that the season's played out. But those positive signs weren't gone. And I just wanted to actually flag a couple of things that Rats said in the press conference afterwards he you know he kept saying that these kinds of fluctuations can happen and that you know he told the players it wasn't all doom and gloom they kept to the plan it was a scrappy game overall and there were skill errors but overall they followed what they were meant to do and skill errors are going to happen anytime. He, he kind of said that what really we were lacking was our, um, defensive strength and that they want us in the one-to-one contests. So they want us in one-to-ones at both ends of the ground. And then that made the difference for us in terms of, um, we, you know, we let them capitalize on in getting goals. Um, and I wanted to put it to you, Sophia. I know, you know, their player McKenzie was so good. Um, he was matched up against King and I actually felt as though with that one player without him could have changed the course of the game actually, because that was such an intense one-to-one matchup that unfortunately McKenzie just got the better of King because of experience. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. That could have possibly changed the game. I also want to say that every time they said McKenzie, I thought they meant ours, but they never did. Just to comment on what Brett Rand said, obviously he knows more than me. He's a coach. I just merely watch but I thought the defense was pretty good in all, you know, in, in one-to-ones. Yeah. That's a bit broader sense. I just think in general defense in their Ford 50 was pretty good. As always, the thing that led us down, of course, for me was kicking. And I was just watching it thinking like, I'm sorry, but you're, you're playing at an AFL standard and you can't kick, you know, eight out of 10 set shots in front of goal. It, and I know that I am not an AFL player, but it, it's a bit like frustrating when it's a fairly easy looking set shot in front of goal and we just keep missing them. <sighs> and it, I agree with you. I agree with you. And we'll talk, we'll definitely talk about more about that in the journos, uh, section as well. Cause, um, the journalists had a little bit to say on that. And I, I think it is sort of an AFL wide frustration at the moment too. I also wanted to just, um, just uh, flag a couple of quick little funny things one was that last week we were talking about how we we disagreed with the with the um journalist in that we thought that it wasn't yes we've had a bit of tinkering in the defense but we think overall it's the mindset which has been the change Mm -hmm. and Brett Ratton pre-game was asked a similar question and he agreed that it's the mindset more than the tinkering in defense so I just want to give us a little plaudit for that, um, yeah. and interviewing him was uh, a couple of people, but one was Nick Rewalt, and I've never seen Brett Ratton look so uh, kind of a little bit, uh, is churlish the right word, just a little bit bashful, a little bit happy to be speaking with Nick. Obviously they've had a personal relationship in the past or they've got some sort of direct connection there. Well, they don't. Brett Ratton didn't coach him. Well, then there's mutual admiration. I didn't know if Brett was an assistant at the time yeah. when uh, or not. Yeah. And then I also wanted to flag that in the press conference, one of the journalists said to Brett Ratton, do you like what you're seeing from Connellini's first few games? (laughs) Connellini? Yeah, that's what he said. (laughs) Gosh, that journalist needs to catch up. Not everyone's Italian, mate. I Um, know, not everyone's Coniglio. I haven't watched the press conference. Rattellini? King (laughs) Alonji? Colacchione? Rivioli's suddenly ravioli. (laughs) Membrino. Steel just becomes spaghetti. (laughs) I'll I'll set the scene. So we didn't have any crowd because of COVID lockdowns. It was meant to be a night game and then it actually got shifted to earlier in the day, I think, to avoid turning people away at the gate, Uh, get it out in front, give them a bit of a, I don't know what the word is. I don't think that was why, (laughs) was it? Okay. Well, no, I think that was why. I think they decided they weren't going to have crowds. And so it made more sense to, instead of saying to everyone, you can't come, it made more sense to have the game earlier. So they guarantee that people won't show up. I think it was because they had to reschedule a lot of other games in other cities. Like Sydney Swans had to quickly leave Sydney. So they had to change times of other games. You know what? Your thought makes more sense. (laughs) <laughs> so, Sophia, uh, what, do you, what do you think? Tell us what your thoughts on the game were and just, just any of your general uh, impressions. So there was a clear push in the back on Max King in quarter one that was not paid. There were quite a few, like, little things that I was getting very frustrated with that were not paid uh, throughout the game by the ump- umpires. Crouch got elbowed in the chin. Oh, that was, and it wasn't an elbow; it was a, like a hand. And um, we we frustrated with the butler, with butler getting away with his then. Oh, uh, the little throw. I wanted to ask you about that because everyone was like, "Oh, makes me sick watching that." And I actually could, I did, I I couldn't tell if it was a throw or not from the footage that we saw. So Butler had the ball and sort of handballed it over his shoulder kind of looking like he was just chucking a coat over his shoulder as he got up off a seat. But it did somehow look like a throw if his fist wasn't touching it the entire time. His fist was touching it. There wasn't as much of a punch action as there normally is with a given handball. But I would still count it as a handball. And I think the umpire was good to not rule it as a throw because if it was ruled as a throw, it would have replayed. And then the umpire commentator, sorry, would have probably been like, oh, you know, there is a bit of a fist to it. So, oh, I think that it's easy to look at it and say it was a throw. I think that it, it, it definitely could look like that quite clearly, but I I don't think it was clear enough to say either way. So yeah, I kind of hate, I didn't like how like voracious people were about it. I also yeah. think it's just easy to think that Butler's being cheeky because he is a bit cheeky. Yeah. And we don't, we don't go by personality in football. Oh, oh. no comment. Um, <laughs> but what I loved about that handball was he did it while like looking at the other players. It was a bit of a like, oh, where's it going to go moment. Yeah. But Ben Long wasn't ready for it behind him. So it was a little bit of a like fumble moment, which I quite liked. Um, I loved having a captain's goal as our first goal. Yeah. It was really fitting. Uh, there was also just like a Mark King... Sort of got first hands to, I thought, but didn't get paid. There was also a moment in quarter one where Ben Long was screaming for the ball and Membry looked at him and didn't kick it to him. And I was like. Do you think he didn't see him? I really was like, what's going on? Because he was wide open right there and it was just crap. Like you wanted him to have that opportunity and um, it sucks. But I don't know if it was a case of seeing him and not choosing him. I think maybe it was a case of not seeing him. I don't know. It also could have just been like, no, Membry wanted to wait for a, bigger pack lead I don't know like weird though because Long was like right it would have been hard for him to miss from where he was yeah yeah uh Highmore and Crouch were both great throughout the game I thought Highmore is one of the unfortunate injuries uh with a hand injury I believe I haven't read more into that have you he's got a fracture they a scan revealed that he'd broken his hand and he actually broke it I believe in the first quarter and kept playing <sighs> all the way through the game And he held on to all those intercepts. He did. They did strap it up for him at halftime, I think. But um, do you know what, though? I will say that I I actually do agree that I think our defense was weaker this week than it was against Brisbane. But it also just could have been the way that Port matched up against us versus Brisbane. Yeah, totally, totally. The second injury, which happened in the second quarter, uh, was Mackenzie. bless him, got concussed and... Just really awful, like, to see because... Yeah, so Port Adelaide player picked up the ball. Mackenzie ran right for him and did an extraordinary tackle. And at first the reaction from the commentators was like, whoa, like that was amazing and really athletic and really strong. Exactly what we know that mackenzie has been told to work on and he's been showing up with and it's what's made him stand out. Um, But unfortunately, the way that he landed, he he couldn't quite make the full three the full 360. And so he actually landed flat on his back with the full, like, probably 150 kilo weight or however heavy weight of the player that he'd tackled, slamming, oh, shush, slamming. I'm not good with metrics. Because how much do you think men weigh? Max um, weighs 100. Yeah, but he's lanky. I don't know, Sophia. All right, let's say 100. So the full weight of that, slammed actually dead cold into his ribs and whole torso at the same time as his head slammed against the ground and he had his arms out and it was dreadful because they kind of convulsed but and the commentators said you know when that's a clear sign of of head injury um and they there was sort of talk or worry that maybe his ribs had been broken as well because of all of the weight that had sort of slammed, he'd had slammed into himself yeah. um, and it was just, it was devastating to watch. Yeah, I thought he might've had a punctured lung at one point point. Uh, and yeah, it was like Yanka said, horrible to watch. Um, hope he makes a really quick recovery really because he, he's been giving it his all and he's honestly been great. Uh, third quarter, uh, Butler was there for his own little flick on in the ball, which the commentators noticed as he like, Butler basically flicked the ball forward but there was no one there. So he sort of ran on and grabbed it himself which was quite funny. Webster kicked an amazing goal from just outside 50. Love a defender's goal here on Two Girls, One Club. And apart from that, I don't have a huge like amount of notes really because it was a bit of a stressful game like Yanka said a bit scrappy it was sort of hard to like pull out any standouts uh Hill's goal was a little bit funny just because it was a goal basically right on the goal line a very easy one sort of players passed it from each other to each other and he got it in the square but he sort of stopped for a second and he looked around a little bit and it was kind of like he was looking around like does anybody else want to take this or should I and it was just quite funny I thought it was him just taking his time a little bit, which was quite nice. Yeah. And finally, I just have that Connolly is so, so, so composed and I honestly cannot wait to see more from Connolly. Agreed. His kicking was really on point and creative, as Bratton said, which was very true. Um, Yeah, that match-up with Mackenzie from Port Adelaide on Max King was Really, I mean, frustrating for us to watch, but props to him, I suppose, because he was so good. Max looks more tired, I thought, this last game, and it brought me back to what they'd said about how he is a younger player, and he is still growing, and it is quite, AFL footy is tiring, and he played so well at the Brisbane game. It's understandable that um, he may have been tired in this one, but there was one moment where he couldn't quite get ahead of Mackenzie, so he's sort of just... he he couldn't get ahead with his body, but his arms are longer than everyone. So he sort of just lazily punched it out of bounds without trying to get around him. Um, Connolly's weaving was also excellent. I thought not just his kicking, but his weaving, he's really creative. And I think it comes from the composure. I think he's got a little bit of, um, a little bit of Hunter Clark going on. Um, Rowan Marshall, his amazing one-armed Mark, he was like a fairy. Um, and, uh, And, you know, he's just, I I just sort of, I had another comment, who is that man, Marshall? Because he's just so great. Um, So reliable. Yeah, so reliable, so composed. And he's a bit dishy as well. So I'm not going to be upset about that. Best smile in the comp. Yeah, really, really best smile in the comp. Um, On Webster's goal, what I really loved is that his attitude just seemed to be like, okay, I'm just going to go and do this now. Hell yes, because I was like, I saw them hand it off to him. And I was like, oh yeah, he'll kick it to someone. You know, he's a defender, he'll kick it to someone. And then it just went through and I was like, oh, oh, he like took that upon himself. It was, yeah, yeah. You've got to feel a little bit frustrated. I mean, it, there's there are positives to practicing your kicking, but not having to do it regularly where because it's fresh, it's easier somehow. So I, you know, I feel bad for the forwards, but also it's like when the defenders are coming up and kicking goals... As a forward, you've got to be kicking your goals. It's like you said, as a professional forward football player, like that's what you're hired for. I guess, you know, you are right. I loved Butler getting a goal. That was really enjoyable to see yeah. that. Um, I really feel like Dunstan really seems to respect Steele. I felt like in the huddles and in general, he's just really listening in earnest to him. So obviously he respects the hard work that that Steele does. Baitel had some really smart moves too when he came on to replace McKenzie after the concussion injury. Um, bytel has been a player that's been spoken about a lot and I thought he came on and did, did some smart things that were really enjoyable to watch. So in the last two minutes, we were managing to um, kind of branch up and level the scores. Thankfully, towards the end of the third quarter, I think it was, we had three goals in a row that helped bridge the gap that had widened between us and Port. In the first quarter, our pressure had been great. And then they answered that. Um, There was a lot of scrapping back and forth without the actual goal kicking. And then when we reached the fourth quarter, we were seven points behind them. So within reach. uh, But I think there was something like three minutes left. And then Rowan Marshall got the ball in front of goal. And I feel like, at least for me, it was like, yes, we can turn the tide. If we get this, then we only need one more score to level or best. And I really had hoped he could do it and Rowan kicked it through for a behind and it, I still felt at that point okay it might it's might be within our reach now it's just a goal the difference and there are like two minutes left on the clock and then there was a turnover which meant that they got it back shut us down and answered with a couple more goals that meant that we weren't coming back um, a couple more scorings so it was you know on the edge of our seat at two minutes it was still within our reach which was really exciting um, and but for you know some skill errors or some little moments I, I feel really excited and confident about our performance because if that was a performance riddled with skill errors and we came that close in the last two minutes um then I'm pretty confident about the direction overall me too me too Bianca any anecdotes for this week from dad I'm not going to talk about the football he said I think if we had a crowd there we would have won do you agree totally agree it must be such a different experience. Whereas for Connolly, maybe he felt more comfortable because it felt more like the VFL. Yeah, maybe. He's just like, la, 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 la. Where's Brad? There he is. I'll kick it to him. Hi, Brad. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to the journos section. Love it. A couple of interesting ones here, Sophia. The first is from our fave regular recurring guest, Ben Waterworth at Fox Sports with the 3-2-1. I've given you the second takeaway there. Horror blunders cost Saints golden chance. Sophia, would you please read that one out for us? Of course. He says, perhaps the Saints were just trying to be too cute with the ball. Whatever the case, a series of howling errors likely proved the deciding factor in a tight, tight contest at Marvel Stadium on Saturday. Ironically, it was youngster Leo Connolly's composure and precision with the ball in hand that set up the first of the Saints lapses. A bullet kick across the defensive 50 led to an easy handball receive for Brad Hill, whose usually clean use came undone as he butchered a ball right into the hands of Charlie Dixon. Ugh. The key forward wouldn't convert, but Hill then shanked another kick coming out of defence, handing the ball to Aliyah and setting up a second shot at goal in the space of a minute, minute, which Sam Mays missed. Capping it off, a lazy kick from Jack Sinclair on edge of defensive 50 resulted in a turnover, with the power this time making the most of the opportunity and converting via Mays. Going the other way shortly after, Dan Butler butchered a golden opportunity with extra numbers heading inside 50, shanking it and handing over the ball. The Saints just look to be falling into the trap over the last five minutes of trying to play perfect footy. There comes a time when you just have to take the game on forward of centre and surge it, Nick Rewalt told Fox Footy Watching On. I agree. The match itself remained tight throughout the afternoon, but it was another showcase of one of the biggest pet peeves for footy lovers across the country. Topping it all off, the Saints didn't kick a goal from a set shot for the entire match, end quote. That was a stat that I wasn't aware of. We didn't kick any... From set shots. Yeah. Yeah. I think he just, I d he just needs to line them up in front of goal all week and they just need to be kicking. I, I honestly don't know what it is. Like maybe Jared Ruffett needs to speak with all of them, not just the forwards. I really don't know. It's really frustrating because it's what, it seems like it should be the easiest part of the game because it is for so many teams. And I agree with what Nick Rewalt said, like trying to play perfect footy for sure. I don't know about the perfect footy comment. I just guess I just couldn't really see it. Maybe I just don't get it. Unfortunately, the hands of Brad Hill, they got a couple of shots at goal, but they also missed. You know, it seems to be, and as they've said, that it's footy lovers across the country, league wide. And commentators have said that several times. I still think about Brett Ratton harking back to Jack Higgins saying, don't stay too long and tire yourself out because he was just practicing his goal kicking over and over and over again and then got so much heat the following week because he missed shots at goal that could have sealed the deal. You know, so I think yeah. it's mental. Yeah, With it's a set shot, you have you have more time to think about it. You 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 know, and and that's why so many things that happen on the fly in the heat of the moment, your instinct kicks in and athleticism is all about what your body knows, not what your head knows. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's definitely league wide. I agree. Like majority league wide, I suppose. The next one is from The Age. Thanks, Auntie Sue, for sharing this one with us. It is called AFL 2021, Digging Deep, How the St. Saint Kilda Saints Rolled the Sleeves Up to Revive Their AFL Season by Peter Ryan. Sophia, would you read that for us? Yes, he says, all of a sudden the Saints are moving close to having selection pressure, something absent from the side for some time. With Dan Hannabury and James Frawley two VFL games away from being in the mix again. They are under no illusions as to where they are at, however. Ratten understands that finals remain a tough ask this season with five of their remaining six matches against teams in the eight. We have always supported the players. Our players are the most important thing at our footy club. At our footy club, family is first, Ratten said. Win, lose or draw, the Saints are in a better spot. So this article came out before the game. Um, And I just like it because I I like how it ends with win, lose or draw. We're in a better spot. And I agree. And I think it would be a mistake to come away from this game feeling overly deflated. I think it was a fair match. Yeah, no, totally. I agree. I completely agree. Thoughts on selection pressure. Yeah, I agree. It's what you and Mm -hmm. I kept saying. Like, it's so great that this isn't even our uh, regular best 22, but there's still people pushing for selection like Bytel and Loney and all these, you know, usual suspects. And Connolly. Oh, yeah. Think about it. We've got Patton. We've got Geary. We've got Caulfield. All of them not playing. All of them having played so much. I mean, that in and of itself, such a good sign. Yeah. Clark as well. hmm Yeah. Although I wonder, I actually think the midfield's maybe the best it's ever been. Well, it was during the Brisbane Lions game. For sure. And I also wonder whether Bytel and Burns are too similar. Hmm. That's interesting. I don't know. I, I think they bring a different energy. I think, I think Burns is more of a thinking, creative player and Bytel's more grunt, more athleticism. Mm. True. I guess I just mean in terms of the spot in the midfield oh I see what you're saying uh I don't know I think they could complement each other because of that I just think they've got complementary styles I just wonder now if um Clark Clark has a spot actually compared to some of the others because he's got precision and grace but what we've needed and what we've seen work now is grunt yeah no but I think he has a spot he's just such a star isn't he he's such a star But now that you said that about complementary between Burns and Bytel, I really want them to become this like iconic midfield duo. <laughs> Me too. They just would look great together. I want to see them sort of slamming chests. Yeah. Up, and the, up, the double on beat. a goal or a win. Yeah, and the double Bit of a hit. hair ruffle. Yeah, yeah. They're both kind of the hot shots, aren't they? Bytel yeah. and Burns were the two hot shots. And they both have last names starting with the same two letters, which is interesting. BY. It's time for player PSA. So this week, Bianca, I have got Jimmy Webster trivia for you. So Jimmy Webster was selected by St. Kilda at pick number 42 in the 2011 National Draft. Uh, He has always played defense really consistently uh he was out of action for a fair bit of last year with some injuries but it sort of seems to me at least like he's sort of becoming into his best form now in his i would his, agree yeah in his sort of early senior years at the club uh, yeah and he also seems to be really good pals with Tim Membry from social media all good signs question number one what number is jimmy webster's jumper A, 29, B, 19, C, 39, or D, 9? Oh, it's not 9. I think A. Correct. Good memory. He is number 29. Question number two. What injuries kept Webster to a handful of mainly VFL games in 2020? A, hand and back injuries. B, shoulder injuries, C, cheek and jaw injuries, or D, foot injuries? You'd have to be doing a lot of talking for your cheek and jaw injury to, to keep you out for a whole season. I'm going to go shoulder. Incorrect. It <gasps> was hand and back injuries Ooh. that kept him out for most of the year. So he played the final three matches of the VFL season. Ah, oh, that sucks. It does suck, yeah. Uh, and I believe he also had a fractured cheekbone at one point this year and he was out for a week. So question number three, how tall is Jimmy Webster? A, 6'1", B, 6'3", C, 5'11", or D, 5'8"? Ooh, I think it's one or 5'11". But then you put him up against the others. one. Correct. He's six one. Yeah, I felt like I felt like after knowing now that Ben Long is six foot, it puts things into perspective. Question number four. How many goals has Jimmy Webster kicked in his AFL career? A four, B two, C three, or D six? C three. Four, including the weekends. Great goal that he kicked. Question number five. What star sign is Jimmy Webster? The favorite question. A, Aquarius. B, Scorpio. C, Cancer. Or D, Pisces? Ooh, B or D? B. Incorrect. He's a Cancer. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Happy birthday. Well, Sort of. He was born on the 28th of June, 1993. Oh, thanks for that. Good on you, Jimmy. After trial comes triumph, and that's what you did with your back and your hand and and your cheekbone, and and now you're playing better footy than ever, so power to you. Exactly, yeah. B, would you like to close us out for next week? So (laughs) next week... Saintes, we take the west coast eagles at optus stadium on sophia's and my home turf perth uh so the saints are already there quarantining and training and we really hope the winning streak returns or starts again if not for us for our dad who'll be watching them in person for the first time in over a year and if you see him make sure you give him a hard time because he hates being spoken to when he's watching the footy I've had the idea of maybe taking some friends here to the Australian pub and watching the match um, and I floated the suggestion and I seemed really open to it and then I went oh no I'd be too stressful I wouldn't want to talk to any of you. <laughs>